So our Crossview friends are being the church out in our community right now. They are volunteering, they are cheering, they are walking, they're running, and they're probably suffering a little bit, but with a purpose, right? The suffering is always easier when we know the purpose. They know they are running for clean water. And while our friends are running, they have a lot of signs on their race route, right? So the race planners have gone ahead of them and strategically place signs, like the starting line, where to turn right, where to turn left, even the finish line. And it's in their best interest to follow the signs, right? I mean, they don't have to, they could go their own way, but they might not get to the finish line. I don't need to tell you guys much about signs because you live in Minnesota and we're just at the end of construction season, right? It's frustrating to be on the road and have lots of signs and detours and construction happening. Well, look at this detour sign. It doesn't really look that bad, right? It's like, oh, we're walking, we're biking, we're turning left. It's, you know, it's harmless. But really in our life, sometimes the detour feels a little more like this. The next slide, where, where in the world are we going? I'm lost in this detour. How do I get out of here, right? That's what a detour feels like in our life a little bit. Well, I ran into a detour a few weeks ago I was on my way to St. Cloud for a medical treatment. And really, how hard is it to drive to St. Cloud? It shouldn't be that hard. This summer, I drove 4,000 miles in an RV. I think I should make it to St. Cloud, right? So I was set. I had my MapQuest on my phone, my GPS. I had my sweet dad in the passenger seat who has like a map in his head. So surely we're gonna make it to St. Cloud on time. But we ran into a detour. I was so frustrated because all of my information disagreed with each other. I didn't know which way to turn. The sign said to turn right, so I took a left. I'm driving down the road, and after a long time, I hit a dead end. I am so frustrated. I've wasted all this time. I turn back around, head back to the detour sign, and I decide to follow it. It probably knows what it's saying. It takes me this really weird roundabout way, but I get to my destination just a few minutes late. After my appointment, my dad had come along to drive me home, actually, because I'm in a lot of pain after those appointments. And actually for several days as I'm recovering and in a lot of pain, I really wrestle with God, with my pain. Most of you don't know that I struggle with chronic pain. And in those days, the Lord gave me such encouragement. He brought to mind story after story from the Bible of people who had detours and how God was faithful in their life to bring them through the detours. And God gave me this message. He said, Libby, the detour is the way. The detour is the way. You're not lost, you're not off track, I'm not punishing you. The detour is the way. Something about this long way around is part of God's plan for me. Construction is happening in me. Things are changing, things need to mature and grow in me before I'm gonna reach my destination. Well, I wanted to start by telling you a little bit about myself. I have always felt an interest or a call to ministry or mission. Since I was a little girl, my mom said I was four or five, I would stand on the back deck and preach to an invisible audience. 
I also remember hiding in my closet a lot. It was my choice. Nobody put me in the closet. But I hid in the closet with a flashlight and note cards, and I wrote verse after verse after verse. I was memorizing God's Word. I had this big box full of Bible verses. I was kind of a weird kid, right? But I felt that call when I was young. I felt called to ministry or missions. I also came from an athletic family, so I thought I could use that for God. My family also ran a business, so I had that Midwestern work ethic, right? Which unfortunately kind of meant my value was placed on how much I could get done in a day. All of those things together, I had dreams to do big things for God. I wanted to build orphanages. I wanted to work in the inner city. I wanted to travel the world and do these things for the Lord. Well, my first detour came at the age of 19 with my first back injury. It didn't feel like a detour sign. It actually felt like a road closed sign. My identity, my dreams, everything was being crushed. And I didn't understand why wouldn't God take us on the most direct, straight, easiest route, right? It only makes sense. I would not choose a detour. Why would I go a long way around when I can get there a faster way? And why wouldn't God want us healthy, whole, and productive, right? We could do more for the kingdom if we were well. Those were my thoughts. And quite frankly, 20 years now, I have spent my life working on my pain and not always being graceful about my detour sign. I have tried to kick and scream and get rid of that detour sign, but it has remained. There are many biblical stories that we can use for encouragement and perspective. If I can't see why I am going through this detour, what the purpose of my pain is. If I don't have the perspective now, we do have the blessing of looking back at history, right? So if we look at what God has to say in his word and we see his faithfulness, we can be confident God will do a good work in us, right? So let's use some of these examples. We'll start with the Israelites. Those poor Israelites, we just pick on them so much, don't we? So they were leaving Egypt. They're finally not going to be slaves anymore. This is a huge moment in history. They're going to their destination, the promised land. But look at what it says in Exodus 13, 17 and 18. After Pharaoh sent the people out, God did not take them by the coastal road that runs through the land of the Philistines, even though that was the nearest and easiest route. Instead, God said... For if they see battle with those contentious Philistines, they might regret their decision and return to Egypt. So God chose a different, longer path that led the community of his people through the desert towards the Red Sea. And might I add, at the Red Sea, God did a major miracle on that detour, right? And perhaps their detour could have been shorter if they hadn't complained so much. <laughs> but the Israelites, there are so many examples from their story that we can learn about God's faithfulness. How about the Apostle John? We know that John was beloved. Jesus loved John. The detours happen to all of us. We are loved and we go through the detours, right? This is not a lack of love, God's, God's love for us. 
John had done amazing ministry. He'd served the Lord almost his whole life. And at this point, he is 90 years old. And there is major anti-Christian persecution going on. So the authorities banish him to the island of Patmos. This is a rocky, barren, horrible place to be. His detour lasted for 18 months that he was on the island of Patmos. But let's read what happens during that time. In Revelation 1, 9 through 11, I, John, your brother, who shares with you this journey in persecution and the establishment of the kingdom and endurance in Jesus. I was on the island called Patmos because of the ministry of the word of God and my testimony about Jesus. He is being punished because of his faith. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's praying, talking to the Lord. And I heard a voice behind me. It sounded like the blast of a trumpet. The voice said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the very beginning and the very end. Make a book of what you see, write it down, and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. John, on his detour, was listening, paying attention, and God gave him this vision to write the book of Revelation, which we now benefit from today. And of course, the Apostle Paul. Paul was so zealous in his ministry. That guy, he had so much energy, he didn't need energy bars, he didn't need energy drinks, he had energy coming out his ears. That guy never sat still, except when he was on his detours. We know Paul suffered. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was put in jail. Paul had many detours. And when he was on a detour, for example, in jail, he could have said, what a waste of time. I want to be out there doing the ministry. There's nothing for me to do here. But instead, Paul took advantage of the detour and wrote his letters of encouragement to the churches. He couldn't go see them, so he wrote to them. And because Paul didn't waste his detour, the whole history of the church has benefited from the epistles. We have teachings and writings and theology and all this rich gift from Paul that he wrote during his detour. Paul and his companions, as they were doing the work, of course they had a plan. They were missionaries. They thought, we're going to go here, then we're going to go there. We'll speak to these people. They had a plan for their ministry. But we see that they ran into roadblocks and detours too. We read in Acts 16, 6 through 10. They went to Phrygia and then on through the region of Galatia. Their plan was to turn west into Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Mycenae and tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Proceeding on through Mycenae, they went down to the seaport Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, Come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. I mean, think about this. Paul had his plan, 
And yet God brought him to places he wasn't even thinking of, to people he wasn't thinking of, and the good news spread to places that Paul wasn't even intending. We also know that Paul suffered from some sort of physical ailment. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 12, he talks about it. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And in 2 Corinthians 1.9, Paul and his companions have another challenge. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. James, the brother of Jesus. I thought it was so funny when Pastor pointed out that James, the brother of Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus until after Jesus died and rose again. And then James gets it and he hops on that bandwagon so fast. And James is willing to totally participate in the ministry, including the suffering. He becomes a leader in the Jerusalem church and James is suffering persecution right along with everyone else. And this passage is so hard to grasp when we're in the middle of our suffering. But James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Maturity. I think of Joseph when he was young. Joseph had dreams and ideas of how God would put him in a position of authority. Joseph even thought his family would bow down to him. And yet maybe his presentation wasn't so good to his family. They didn't receive it very well. Maybe Joseph was immature. And Joseph's first detour happened when he was 17, when his brothers sold him into slavery. Talk about crazy detours, right? How in the world does God take Joseph from point A, shepherd boy in Canaan, to point B, second in command over Egypt. And the detours, I mean, none of us would have ever imagined how God would do that. But Joseph was faithful along the way so that God could put him in a position where God needed him to save his people. And finally, what about Jesus? Jesus took the detour of the cross. A crazy way to show us his love, a really, you know, a way that we wouldn't plan to die for our sins. That detour Jesus was willing to take for us. Part of my long way around story comes back to my call to ministry. 
I went to North Park Seminary in Chicago and loved it. When we graduated, all my peers took full-time positions in churches. And Dan and I also were offered some positions, East Coast, West Coast, and we turned them down to go to Guatemala. We were teachers in Guatemala and loved it, had a baby, adopted a baby, had a wonderful experience. Coming back to the States, God has brought back this idea of finishing my ordination. So here I stand before you, 12 years after graduating from seminary, preaching my very first sermon with fear and trembling. Oh, thanks, you guys. The long way around, right? And it's not wasted time. The things that are happening on our journey are so worthwhile. By using this silly example of detour signs, I do not mean to diminish the pain that you have gone through. I don't know what you've been through. As a hospital chaplain, I have seen some horrible things. And I have seen God do incredible miracles. And I have seen people with steadfast faith in spite of what they were experiencing. Faith is what it's coming down to, you guys. This is the foundation of what I'm saying, belief. We just finished a four-week series with Pastor Brad on belief. That was the topic, belief. You guys, that's what it comes down to. What do you really believe about God? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe the God creator of the whole universe cares about your needs? Because if you do, then you know God is with you on the detour. You know God is with you on the long way around. Our good shepherd has not left us to wander. He is with us on this race. He is holding us up. He's pointing out the potholes. He is strategically placing signs. Our good shepherd is guiding us. And even in the moment, if we can't see the purpose of our pain, we can see God's faithfulness in history and be confident that God is working out something good in us. My final verse Proverbs 16, 9. People do their best making plans for their lives, but the eternal guides each step. Will you pray with me? God, you are the good shepherd, our deliverer, our friend. I pray that these words today would be as much of an encouragement to this congregation as they were when you gave them to me a few weeks ago. And God, for anyone who is suffering today, I pray that you will show them mercy and comfort and companionship. In all these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.